God. It's Claire. This, what are we supposed to say? How do we you say, say I'm Claire. I'm Claire. Then I say I'm Ashley. And then we say, and, and this, this is, is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Club. Sorry. And what? Can I add? Uh-huh. Hold on one second. We're talking, We're talking about, about Lynn Spears. <laughs> you guys, I'm sorry. I'm a little discombobulated. I'm just coming off of a horrific deep dive. Um... <laughs> Of the Spears family's Instagrams. But like the latter day Spears. <laughs> <laughs> so it started off with me checking up on little Maddie, Maddie Aldridge, mm-hmm. who you guys know as the daughter of Jamie Lynn. Before we even dive any further, Claire and I, for those of you who are new to Celebrity Memoir Book Club, this is not our first uh, run at podcasting. We've podcasted many a podcast before, and our very first little project out the gate was a little gem called Hold On One Second, We're Talking About Britney Spears, where we talked about Britney Spears for, I believe, 80 episodes. Yeah, that sounds um, right. <laughs> They're still on iTunes if you're interested, if you want to hear this podcast, but only about Britney Spears. During that time, we did very little research. We learned almost nothing except for like by osmosis, like by our listeners. God bless them. Some of them are with us today. Some of the best, most patient people on the planet uh, really came along for the ride. And sometimes they would, they loved us. They would but fact check Britney stuff into our, and we like osmoted a ton yeah. of information. Like literally sometimes people would be like, hey, love you guys, but literally cannot handle the fact that you don't know her birthday. <laughs> it's December 2nd. Which I know now. I think anyway. 1982. Yes. It's true. And so by that fact, we like accidentally know a lot about Britney Spears just by pure like seeping into our brain jelly DMs. Um, So with that, I think that this is the hardest book so far for me to tear our real world intelligence, knowledge, research and separate that from the book reading. I feel like a lot of times people get mad at us. What did you call us? Real world intelligent research. (laughs) (laughs) That's something you're ascribing to any part of our brain, any part of our fucking medulla oblongatas you think has research or intelligence. Because I will say, I do think a lot of times people get upset with us when we do these memoirs with people that we don't know very much about, that we like are taking the book as gospel and it's like I mean it is celebrity memoir book club and I come from the school of thought that like the book is the book. The book is the book, but with this one Much like Christianity. I will say this was the hardest one for me to take the book as the book and not peel in all of my the other things I know about the Spearses. Fair fair fair. I do think even though I did not know a lot about Lynn coming in it was very apparent what was true just based on what she doth protested too much. Yeah, this bitch doth protest a lot. Oh, can I go through what I just found on Instagram? Yeah. So first we check Casey Aldridge's page because I want to see how Maddie's doing. Maddie, I'm like, of course she's going to be beautiful. She's like the hottest father in Louisiana. And she has, she comes from Spears royalty. Sure enough, she is beautiful. I was horrified to find out that we follow him. He had a private account, but we follow him on our Celebrity Memoir Book Club account from back when it was a Who's With Tabs account. And we are one of 2,452 followers. <laughs> so we are like in Casey's innermost circle. It's like we went to high school with him. We know him personally. It's like he is my brother in many ways. <laughs> and, and so um, he has not been updating, but Maddie does look beautiful. So then I'm like, well, well let, what's Lynn up to, right? Yeah. Lynn has one has a, a page with like tens of thousands of followers called Lynn Spears underscore RF. And I was like, could this be the real page? And it's not blue check marked, but it does have a lot of family photos and it does pitch her as a Rodan and Fields seller. Uh, which I learned is an MLM. Yeah, it's one of the original skincare MLMs. It's like she never left Kentwood. 
And so I'm like, could this be real? There's a lot of followers. And so then I went to Brian Spears, the older brother's page, and he has less than a thousand followers. He's only put up three photos. And the last one was of him kissing this girl. It's definitely him. And he's kissing this girl. I don't know if this is his real account. It is not verified. And he has less than a thousand followers and there's only three photos. But I'm like, well, who's this girl that he's tagged? And I go, oh, she's a whore from New Jersey. And that was just a joke because her lips were so filled with filler that she kind of looked like a slut. And when I look at the page, <laughs> sure enough, I'm like, oh, she like might literally be a porn star. She has like a lot of photos in just an apron with like a little bit of nipple popping out. And I was like, okay, could this be real? Could this not be real? And then I scrolled through her page and she has a photo with Lynn Spears where she's like, I finally joined Lynn in selling Rodan and Fields. She got me. And then I was like, is this whole thing an elaborate ruse by this one prostitute to get everybody's skincare that they don't need? Like... So either it's all fake and this girl XO Amber whatever is a genius or somehow the Spears family at the top of the entertainment world have all fallen for an MLM. <laughs> um, I believe that because in Lynn's book, which we'll get to later, she talks about how she really wants her own job again. <laughs> I do believe. And, and she that honestly is who's going to join an MLM. And I will say we're not getting into it this week. We're getting into next week. The Sam Lufty years for those true Britney heads out there. You know, the worst years of her life was when she was under Sam Lufty's management. We get some real insight into that relationship. But I will say he had not even the website of ML and MLM and he almost scammed the pants off of Lynn. Lynn. So I do think she is a fool who will fall for pretty much anything. I guess, do you have anything you want to say about yourself before we dive right in? Or is this going to be like a perfect episode where nobody has to hear jack shit about who we are? Um, I did want to say really quick, a quick uh, thank you very much to the people who reviewed us on iTunes this week. A brief thank you and bless your souls to... (sighs) Why do I let you read, dude? Let me get it. An Indian outlaw... Let me do it. Oh, an Indian outlaw. That should not have taken so long. <laughs> XO Lulu XO. And I love Charlie Peter. I love you guys too. Thanks, guys. Um, and I also will say this week, I honestly can't really talk about my week that much because I went on a couple of dates this week. Went on a few dates with a few fellas. And one thing that I talk about a lot on dates is this podcast because it is A, the only thing going on in my life and B, something that I honestly love. Like, I'm proud of it. I think we do a fun job, and I like it. So I talk about it, and then, obviously, when they become infatuated with me, because who wouldn't, they go listen to it, and they're like, oh, I listen to your podcast, and so I can't talk about the dates here, because they'll listen. Um, but I do talk about them in great detail on a Patreon episode that we're posting this week. Oh, yeah, we week. put out two Patreon episodes. We so um, in one, I kind of go off the rails. So please, if you're like going to get mad at me for being problematic, please do not go to our Patreon, <laughs> Venmo me the money up front if you want to support. But if you're going to get up, all like upset about shit, then don't listen. If you're down to just hear me be truly unhinged about somebody, this is your time. I name names. I go into it. Yes. I give opinions where I have no business giving opinions. It's real RIP who's with tab stuff. Really just me ranting and roving and raving about things I don't know shit about. Uh, true. And it's me just uh, giving a lot of details. A lot of details. A lot of details. Too uh, many, some would say. I've never said that. No, I just think it got like boring towards the end when I just kept talking. I believe that. Actually. That's what I mean by too many. Not like not like problematic. Too many like your details. I mean like I just stopped talking, Ashley, details. Um, okay, so let's get into Lynn. You guys. Do you want to give a quick uh, rundown who is Lynn Spears? 
I would love to. If you guys, first of all, horrifying. My boyfriend looked at this, the cover of this book <laughs> and he said, wow, Lynn Spears is hotter than both of her daughters. <laughs> <laughs> and... I don't know. I have to say the one great thing about my boyfriend is it does seem like like the older I get, the better it'll be. Like I have no fear of him like leaving me for the young assistant because he's just like he doesn't want. He that. doesn't even like me yet. He's like I invested in this thinking you might be a hot old person. <laughs> yeah, he's in love with your mom, and he's just like waiting for you to turn. Um. So Lynn Spears, mother of singer and performer Jamie Lynn, incredible businessman in a suit. Brian Spears and then um, a one hit wonder, Britney Spears. I'm kidding. She is obviously the crown jewel of America. But and they a- will not, they w- she will not admit that. Yes. Mm-hmm. She likes to pretend that she loves all of her children equally. Jamie, of course, did star in Zoe 101. She does have a music career. She did do stuff on her own. She was able to like pay for her own life. And she was a celebrity in her own right, especially when she got pregnant. Brian, on the other hand, his claim to fame seems to be that he breaks a lot of bones. So a good couple chapters are dedicated to how many bones he broke. Here's Okay, so yeah. let's get into what we think this book was about and why it was written before we get through it. Okay, so what I was going to... I wanted to point out really quick that a lot of times when they list her children, they do them in age order just so it doesn't seem like she's favoring Britney. They'll always say... Um, Brian, Brittany, and Jamie Lynn Spears. But on the cover of this book, it is by Lynn Spears, mother of Jamie Lynn, Brian, and Brittany Spears, which they really throw us for a loop with. And then her co-writer on this book is named Laura Lee Cracker, which almost feels Craker. like... Craker. Craker? <laughs> okay, I Dude, read it as Laura Lee Cracker. And I, was I like, mean, I do think that's a bit of projection right? that you do believe that a Laura Lee is going to be a Cracker, but that is... <laughs> The way you would pronounce it is C-R-A-K-E-R, Craker. I was like, that is like an all that character. Yeah, I cannot believe that Laura Lee Cracker. <laughs> the other Laura Lee I know is from Vanderpump Rules season one. God bless. I miss her. Me too. She um was like Jax's abused little girlfriend who was like going to make it big and leave the show because she got like a... She was like, like a, a featured extra in a movie. Literally. And um, mm-hmm. not Meet the Fockers, but the, the one that Jennifer Aniston was in. Oh, Yeah. Where she's like a stripper mom. Yep. I know what you're talking about. I just like honestly can't tell you the name of it. Rag Rats. I've never seen this movie, but I know it invented Rag Rats. <laughs> anyway. What, what do you think the point of this book was? I think the point of this book was to say that she is a good mom and their family was never trying to use Britney for money. That's exactly I, the same conclusion. The biggest thing about this book is that she is basically saying, what happened to Britney is not my fault. I am not a pushy stage mother. I've read that you think I am. And so here's me saying I'm not. And then also, it, to your point that we were saying about earlier, it's to... It's to fan the flames of her personal delusion that she is of equal importance to Britney. Yeah. So she is a woman who was born in Louisiana, Louisiana. which this book hilariously gets wrong in her author bio. Yeah. They can say <laughs> she's from Kentwood, Indiana. Even though the rest of the book is about Kentwood, Louisiana. Should I look it up right now and just double check? Just like double check that she hasn't actually lived in two Kentwoods. How crazy would that be? Yeah. There's not a Kentwood in Indiana. Yeah, they didn't finish reading this book. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know what is something that is really funny? What? 
this part in the very beginning in the introduction where she just like bullet points the point of this book. She says, for example, when you're done with this book, you'll know that I never let my teenage daughter and her boyfriend live together while she was under my roof. I've never been the manager for either of my girls ever. And the only time I've ever been on the payroll was when I was helping Brittany with her fan club and website. And surprise, surprise, I never pushed either of my daughters into show business. Nope, it didn't happen. Wow. Well, okay. So I guess we didn't have to come up with (laughs) our own conclusion. And then she also (laughs) says that she hoped her children... Okay. This book is an outgrowth of that poem. Oh, she writes poems and she kind of like sprinkles them throughout the book. The results of my wanting to hand something permanent down to my children and grandchildren, a record of our lives together and a record of their mother's love for them. It's to help them know me as a human being, as a woman and not just as their mother. It's written with the hope that when they see more of the real me, they will forgive me for any way I have failed them and I will keep trying to forgive myself. The truth is I never wanted this life. Okay, so then it goes into... For some fucking reason, her parents' lives, like how they met. Nobody gives it. Her mom's from England. They met during the war. Her mom's from London. She was pissed. She had to move to Kentwood. She had to yada, yada, yada. It is bizarro land that she thinks anybody gives a shit about her mother. No one is reading this book to get to know Lynn Spears. And that is a thing that I don't think she has any understanding of. I also want to point out, okay, I think we've read a handful of memoirs that are by interesting people. Yes. I think Mariah Carey is a deeply interesting person. I think that like some of these people that we've read about are just like fascinating individuals. I think we've also read a bunch of books by boring people who happen to have been involved in fascinating situations. I.E. Holly. I.E. Holly. And I think when you have Holly Madison disease, when you have Lynn Spears disease, because extraordinary things have happened to you, you start to think that you're interesting and extraordinary and you're not. But I don't think she understands in any way how to differentiate what is the interesting part because she like doesn't get that she's not interesting. Yeah. Having Britney Spears as a daughter is fucking fascinating. And so people probably treat her like she's fascinating. She's not. Also, Jamie Lynn, has, there's like interesting things about her. I don't think she's like genuinely an interesting person the way Brittany is, but, but I also I am interested I'm curious. in her like the come up and the fall down and the experience with paparazzi. Yeah. Um, I will say like she does seem to like she's obsessed way- with her small town and something I thought was funny but suspicious was when she talks about um, when her sister died, how packed the the church was for her funeral and how Brittany got to go and was there to grieve and luckily none of the paparazzi followed her there. And her, how her sister, who was always like a quiet, humble person, like would have been surprised to see how many people were there. And I was like, yeah, I do wonder if people just came to see Britney. Yeah. Or if it's just like a small town and you knew someone and so you go. Like, yeah. I don't know, the amount of funerals that like you go to just because you like kind of knew that person or you like work with someone that they know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then I would say... Another big point of the book that she wants to get across is that Jamie Spears, father to Brittany, is first and foremost an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And he was like a negligent father. And yeah. if anybody pushed Brittany or wanted to like use Brittany for success, it was Jamie. I think that the way that she insists upon the fact that she never pushed Brittany, she always talks throughout this book about how hard Brittany wanted this and how she never pushed her. And I think that there is such a giant difference in... Um, acknowledging your children's dreams and laying your life down on the line to push them further. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like if Jamie, I mean, if Brittany loved dance class, she could have enrolled her in more dance classes. She like in that time in the fucking eighties, how is a, 
a nine-year-old finding out about Mickey Mouse Club auditions in Atlanta. The yeah. mother found those and drove them there. She like talks so much about how they spent their last dime getting Britney to auditions. And it, clearly you guys were not in a place where like he could stay home and run the business and you could take Britney to auditions because he's not running the business. He's just drinking. And it's just like, that is not fostering her interests. That's pushing her. I mean, another example is when she is the understudy for that off-Broadway show. She's um, Laura Bundy's understudy. Mm-hmm. And also, so is Natalie Portman. And so Jamie Lynn had just been born in this example. And they moved to New York City for like four to seven months or something. So that Brittany could be the understudy. Be the understudy which is like not fun. I'm, it's not fun to be the understudy. I mean, and Brittany literally was the one who took them. She was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. And then they did go home and then, you know, more auditions ensue. It's just like, you can't convince me from the way you're telling this, that this is what Britney wanted. Here, I have this quote right here. Um, So, and she even talks about um, after the Mickey Mouse Club, she goes home, she's in normal high school and she decides at 16 or 15 that she wants to drop out of normal high school and become a pop star and like pursue this full time. And so she comes in and says, I would like to be homeschooled so she can do this. And... uh, Lynn Spears says we had a decision to make would we help our daughter achieve her dreams now or would we make her wait until she was an adult and could strike out on her own Jamie was 100% on board with the former he wanted his daughter to succeed Um, in many ways he would find a way to make it happen when we didn't have the money to travel to an audition Jamie would often pull it out of the hat somehow my opinion we should take one opportunity at a time just as we always had that is still not the opinion of no I think she should finish school yeah okay so I think we should back it up okay so Lynn spends like 20 pages telling us about her parents and how her mother ended up in America, in Louisiana. Her dad was a soldier, blah, blah, blah. Um, her dad died because like a milk truck ran him over or something. Yeah. His own milk truck ran him over. He like, well, he wanted to be a driver. Something weird about her dad is that he renamed himself after his favorite race car driver. And yeah. then he died when a truck rolled over on him on his farm. And I was like, mm, it sounds like he was doing some shit he shouldn't have been doing. Like, why would a car just roll over on you? On yes. your, like, land? Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly. So he, like did- he was, like, doing donuts in, like, a tractor tra- tank. And anyway. she gets into how she met um, Jamie Spears. He was, like, the hot shot. He was, like, the perfect. Um, he was, like, kind of a sexy bad boy in town. Yeah, but it was it's very, like, Americana old school where he was, like, the high school quarterback who then, like, kind of went on to do nothing. And so he was always just, like, hanging out at the pool. He was a couple years older than her. Mm-hmm. She was home from college, and they ended up getting married. Yeah, they right got married up. her junior year of college and, and her she, parents were like, don't marry him yet. And then she was like, actually, we're going to elope right now. Yeah, and then she like didn't finish college right away because she got pregnant with Brian and she says they had one good year when Brian was born. Yeah. And then his drinking got really bad. Um, yes. And the drinking getting bad is kind of like a, an on and off throughout. Like until, I think they had two kids. Oh no, they, it was so bad that she finally left him, moved in with her parents and then he got sober for five years and she calls those his, his golden years. Yes. And that's, that's when, when they, had, they Brittany. had Brittany and started their businesses and like were really kind of doing okay. Um, she also writes a lot about Brian's childhood. And also uninteresting. His, his big claim to fame is he got hurt a lot. Yeah, she like, okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about in terms of like uninteresting people thinking because one interesting thing happened to them, they have interesting lives. Like she talks about this time that Brian had a seizure and he had to be hospitalized and he went into a coma and then like 24 hours later, he was actually just completely fine. And like they never found out what happened and she talks about how traumatic it was to not know if your child was going to live or die. And like I do agree that those things are traumatic and 
horrible to go through. But I think that the way she like illustrates it as this thing that like no one could ever understand. It's just like, I do well, think, I don't that think a she lot says of people, that. I think you're mixing her up with Cassie. She doesn't say no one, someone, no one can understand it. She doesn't say no one can understand it, but she like does write. So I do think she's no, she says a lot. She goes, any mother would understand. Every mother understands. I think she writes a lot as like a mother who other people I think understand. She, okay. I guess I don't mean that no one would understand, but she writes about it as if it's like this interesting, interesting event that like is notable when really it kind of seems like she's like digging through stories to be like, how can I make Brian part yes, of the book? It's, it's very, um, college application vibe. Do you remember when you were like a senior yeah. in college and everybody's like, well, has anything bad ever happened to you? You could write about that. And you were like, um, I remember someone suggested to me that I write about how like when I was a baby, we lived in that Mercury building and I was like, I literally do not remember that I was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it like has not shaped me in any way. Um, meanwhile, one thing that gets not even a paragraph is the fact that she did literally kill a kid. Well, this is okay. So it's in the, it's in the chapter called close call, which is kind of like a collection of all of the times Brian gets himself hurt, has a seizure, whatever. One of the things is when he was born, he had pneumonia. So he had to stay in the hospital and she talks about how horrific it would be to lose a child. And she goes, um, I can't even imagine the pain of losing your son, which is the pain. Uh-huh. It also made me think of another mother losing a child. And then she goes on to tell very quickly the story about how one time she was driving and hit a 12 year old boy on his bike and he died. And then she goes, God's providence permitted that boy's mother to lose her son. while I was allowed to keep mine watching him grow into manhood. Why? I wish I knew. All I know is I am so <laughs> grateful. Brian didn't die during his first week of life when it's, <laughs> and it was just like, I don't know. It's just so weird to like casually mention that you hit and killed a child and that it's like God's plan. It was sorry, bitch. If he was supposed to live, he would have, I guess God hates you. God loves my son. Don't know why, but he, uh, proof is in the, the alive pudding. <laughs> it's so crazy that she casually drops that in there. Like who even look, if you're going to be honest and vulnerable, be honest and vulnerable. But if you're going to like on a side note, be like, God, you know who I'm happy. I'm not this bitch whose son I killed. That's insane. And then she just moves on and she says it haunts her for life, but it never even comes back up in the book. That's some Cassie shit. It was <laughs> crazy. It really was absurd to read that. It, I had to reread that passage several times. Cause I was like, did she kill a kid? She did. Um, anyway, so oh, something I do want to mention about her parents. So something interesting is, so she talks a lot about at the point of the, when she wrote the book, she was already divorced. And so she, a lot of the book feels like justifying the divorce they went through. I think yes. they got divorced in 2004. Yes. Um, and so a lot of the book is being like, look, and he was drunk here. And, and I do believe he was an alcoholic. It seems like he was sober for a couple of years and he fell back off the wagon. He would be gone for days. His- and you can tell that they really, there was no concept of alcoholism then. I don't think no. because like she talks Especially a not little in Louisiana. bit, especially not in Louisiana. She talks a little bit how like after, after they had Brian, things got really bad and then he got fully sober and that was like a really good time for them. And then when he falls off the wagon, it's because they go back to like casually drinking. And she's like, he just couldn't casually drink. It was so weird. Like he'd been sober for a couple of years, got cleaned up. And so then when we were like start drinking at parties again, he just couldn't only drink at parties again. And it's like, yeah, okay. I do see the pattern here. Well, I do think she just couldn't control him because she says that they had like rules. They'd be like, okay, well, what if you only drink beer? What if you only drink after work? What if you only drink? Yeah. And it just like couldn't be controlled. But um, they have such a weird relationship to relationships. I think I guess it's just very Southern. And it's funny. She talks about how her dad died. She says at one point, mama never remarried. She went about her business living for us kids. She did what daddy would have wanted her to do. 
bitch, you died. Like, I don't know. If you don't want your wife to move on, then don't die. Flip your own tractor. It's such a weird thing to say that, like, I've just never heard anybody say that. Like, I've only ever heard, I want you to be happy. I want you to do what's for you. Like, I want you to love again. I've never heard somebody be like, Tons of the kids, you widow ass bitch. She's like, she was 45 or something when he died. He had taken her from her whole family and then left her. Um, and then something else she says that's yeah, so funny. He literally plucked her out of England. What a scam. He literally was like, come back to Louisiana. I got all this land. And then she got there and he's like, and you're going to have to work it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she had to like milk cows at 4 a.m. and stuff. She, and she was, was like diagnosed with arthritis when she was like 40 and he was just like bummer. I think 28. It was something like freakishly young. Rheumatoid arthritis. Yes, it was 28. Um, and so the, Something crazy is that Lynn also says that people are always like, why didn't you leave him earlier about Jamie? And she's like, you know, I just didn't believe in divorce. And then she goes, and I still don't believe in divorce. And I was like, well, what do you think you are? She has a really bizarre relationship to her relationship. Like she even mentions later in the book, skipping ahead a little bit, the fact that she and Jamie are on pretty good terms now. And the fact that they can like co-parent and co-grandparent well. And she goes, but if we were to ever get married again, I don't think we would. And it's like, that was not the question. Like, it's not the fact that you guys vaguely get along now. And that means you should be together again. That's not it. Yeah. She said she has never dated since their divorce. She's never been on a single date. She's never been asked out and And she doesn't ever plan on it. It's, I don't know. It's really bizarre stuff. I wonder if that's changed. I really hope it has. Yeah, I hope for her. Apparently, Brittany said to an interview in 2004 that their divorce was the best thing that ever happened to that family. Yeah, and she, like, took offense to that, which I think is a very honest thing for a young person to be able to say about their parents. I think for her to have that perspective, to be like, that was a good thing for them. Well, they got divorced because on tour, when Brittany was 18 years old, she should have said, stop doing this to yourself. You're like, you're so unhappy. Yeah. So wise. Oh, sweet Brittany. Anyway, (laughs) the dad dies right after Brian's born, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then Jamie gets sober. Um, Brittany is born. They're in their golden years. Everything is lovely. They start some businesses. Lynn opens a daycare center where she cares for other people's children. She Jamie, does this whole thing where um, she thanks individually all of her friends. She does chapters like describing all of her friends. We're like, Jamie, I mean, I mean, Lynn. Lynn, shut the fuck it's up. It's just so hard to keep these two separate because Jamie Lynn makes sense as a name. Jamie yes. is too short now. Lynn is too short. You're like, those can't be first names. Yes. Cause now you've gotten me re- ready for all those extra syllables. I do love that she in a sentence went after they have Jamie Lynn, she says we like named her after Jamie and myself. I or do something. And it's out- like, I, I knew <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out that they named Brian, Brian, James Spears and Brittany, Brittany, Jean Spears. So clearly for a minute, they were really into these, this BJS yeah. syllables. And that's just a very funny thing that you want all of your kids to have the initials BJs. <laughs> and then you're surprised that they're all sluts. I don't know, man. You literally like they're living up to their name. Um, I do want to point out. So Jamie Lynn was a surprise baby. Mm-hmm. She was born 10 years after Brittany. Yes. So why was she such a surprise? You wonder? Well, because Jamie was supposed to get a vasectomy and he just never went back for his second appointment. And apparently that's the appointment where they stop you from being able to have kids. Yeah. No, I think the thing is a vasectomy, it's like easy for it to not take. So you have to get your vasectomy and then they like look inside your pee hole to see if it worked. And Are you making that up right now? I like don't think I am. It's like a pee pole, the pee people. <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly what they do, but I think the follow-up appointment is so that they can check and see if they did it right. And if you don't get 
Like I think a vasectomy is an easy fail procedure. I think it's very common for it to not work. And so that's why they do the follow-up appointment to be like, did it work or not? And he never found out. He was just like, they did the first thing. That was probably it. And it wasn't. They're a family of five. So basically then she's like, I was a teacher. I loved it. The worst mistake I ever made was leaving my job teaching to go on tour with yes. Brittany. So she went back to school so that she could become an English professor, English teacher, like a high school English teacher. Yeah. And then, and she loved that. But in the meantime, Brittany, who she had enrolled in dance classes, um, was starting to become quite successful at it. Like she first was in dance and gymnastics classes and then she started focusing just on dance class and then she was entering dance competitions because everyone was like, Brittany is the best in the class. She must singing. It was like a lot of singing competitions. I think she was mostly competing as a singer, it seems like, in these early days. Then she ended up going to bigger and bigger competitions and pageants and things and she ended up auditioning for Star Search and then Mickey Mouse Club and then they were like, she's too young for the Mickey Mouse Club, but... Come back. And through the Mickey Mouse Club, they met her agent. New York agent. Through that audition, she met Larry Rudolph, who ended up being her agent. She got this job in New York City where she was... So, like, they act like they weren't pushing it, but I do think as a parent, it's easy to say no to a lot of these things. Like, I do think it would have been easy to say no to the understudy role. It's insane to me to have a newborn baby and be like, I'm going to move this brand newborn out so that my 10-year-old can perform... I, that's what I mean is I think it's like one thing to foster an interest to say like, yes, let's get you in singing lessons and dance lessons and like help you do all these things. I think it's a completely different thing to be driving to Atlanta and flying to New York for auditions. At one point, I mean, so this whole time they also have a ton of money issues and it seems to stem mostly from the fact that Brian is an alcoholic. Jamie they, is an alcoholic. Sorry. Jamie is an alcoholic. Brian's he started a child. <laughs> I think he's probably an alcoholic too, if I had to guess. <laughs> but I just had to like roll the dice on he that kid. He look at his face. Um, he has, he's got a real cirrhosis of the liver face if you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) he's got like beer belly but in his cheeks and jowls Um, I will say it's crazy how that Spears face only works on girls yes it does not work because Brian does not look good neither does Jamie neither does Jamie and she like talks about what a fucking town hunk he was and it's like my god did they not have a Casey Eldridge in your generation find it better I agree. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, d- Jamie Lynn did. Jamie Lynn did what all parents can hope for their kids is that they do better than their parents. Um, yeah. She went out and found the hotter. She was only going to date someone from their hometown, but she found a hotter one. <laughs> uh, what were we? Oh, and then the other thing is she's sometimes going on trips. They talk about, so they have money problems. Yeah. In their golden years, which is those five sober years when Brittany and Ryan were young, they opened a gym and like a wellness spa, they called it. Yeah. And he had like also a construction business. She had a daycare. I was like, it does seem like they were very entrepreneurial and always trying to start businesses, which is odd because that like right before Baby Woman Time in 1999, they declared bankruptcy. Yeah, like a sh- construction business is going badly. They had they to close had the land that was foreclosed on. So it seems like they had a lot of like, uh, you know, I know the whole point of the book is that she never pushed Britney. And the one argument she makes in that vein that I do find believable is she's like. We were hoping when she wanted to become somebody who was a pop star and she got signed, we were like, wouldn't it be cool if she cracked the top 40? We never could have imagined she would have been the number one pop star in the world. Like, I do think, like, now that I know what goes into a number one song, it is such a freak situation that Baby One More Time became a hit. Nobody saw that coming. It reminds me of Driver's License. Sometimes just the forces of nature come together and create like a true organic hit. Well, it was just funny because there's this one line in the book where she talks about how like, coming from a town like us, we never could have expected this kind of success. And it's like, no, no, coming from any situation, you never could have expected. They're constantly like plucking children and trying to churn them out to be the next Britney Spears. And 
we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Like it's very rare to make that happen. Like it's not because you're, she's like obsessed with the fact that they're like from this bumfuck town. And so how could they have imagined this success? And it's like, you could be from Los Angeles, the child of two famous music producers and that success is still lightning in a bottle. Like Taylor Swift, that just looked up, has only had six number one singles, which is like wild. a lot more than me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still like when you look at this success, like to, and I remember reading this article in the cut with um, Macy Gray, maybe, mm-hmm. and she was talking about how now that she's been there, she like is never hoping for another number one single because she knows it's not up to you. There's so much money behind a number one hit single. Like mm-hmm. those things are predetermined. I just read this article about how Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license hit number one. And like that came out of nowhere. It was a perfect storm of, it was a great song that had this Disney potential and also the TikTok algorithm. Like it really got big through TikTok and that now for the rest of like music eternity, every song that they launch will have a TikTok uh, like marketing strategy. Story, yeah. yeah. And it's just like to have a number one song as just like this newcomer is so like, and I do believe like, how could they have known she would have been Britney Spears, even in your wildest dreams? Yeah. I no. don't think that like, you wouldn't think that she says when Britney was signed, she got $500. I do believe that the, the level of fame that Britney ended up obtaining is like not, it didn't exist before Britney Spears. So there's no way they could have dreamt it. Do you know what I mean? Like the, level of fame that Britney had was so psychotic that like especially with the paparazzi angle like Mm -hmm. it really was she was part of the era that held heralded in her in Paris yeah um and so I do but I do think it is believable that she thought she would get another Mickey Mouse-esque deal she could be on that show like uh not not 90210 but like she could have been a middling teen dream yeah. And supporting the family with a really healthy television. Totally. Paycheck. I mean, the idea that she wasn't pushing for this situation, like you just said, the fact that they had no money, they were filing for bankruptcy and still flying Britney out to various auditions. Well, that, oh, that's they what were, they were borrowing money from neighbors. At one to point, get her. a neighbor straight up took her to New York City instead of them because they couldn't afford to go. Yeah. And like... It does feel like if you weren't banking on this paying out at some point, you would just say, I'm sorry, baby. We just can't afford it this time. Yeah. Or you just say like, if you love to sing and dance, be in the fucking local musical, like everybody else. I mean, yeah, I really feel like there's enrolling your kid in dance lessons because they love to dance. And then there's flying them to auditions across the country because they love to dance. And I disagree that she didn't push because how would... In the, before the internet, how would Britney have known that those opportunities even existed? Like, Britney didn't ask to be taken to a Mickey Mouse Club audition. Lynn found out about it and took her, you know? Yeah. So, or Jamie found out about it and told Lynn to take her. Like, either way, it, Britney did not come over and say, I want to go to this audition. Yeah. You know, she didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have the internet. She didn't have, no one was sliding into her DM saying like, oh, you're a 12 year old with a lot of potential. I'd like for you to become a model. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was no access to these things without your mom driving you and like taking you to them and scheduling them and getting it figured out. Like they had a home, which they didn't even have a home phone at one point because their phone got cut off. Like, yeah, they were broke. Uh, They were like really mismanaging their money. I would say, um, I do want to talk about these auditions. She talks about the Mickey Mouse club and it's interesting because now we're hearing, we heard it all in Jessica Simpson's book, her perspective Mm -hmm. and in her story, she had been there for days. She was kind of a shoe in. People were saying like, get your bags packed. Get ready to be in the Mickey Mouse club. And then Britney Spears shows up day of having just come from New York city and blows the blows the house down or whatever. 
And this, it's true. So her and Christina auditioned at the same time when they were 10 years old in Atlanta. They were told, come back in two years when you're older. Brittany comes back from New York. But then she says they did three days of, like, boot camp. Yeah. So was Brittany there the whole time or not? I, like, trust Jessica's no, memory. Jessica said there was, like, two weeks of boot camp. And Brittany was there for, like, three days of boot camp. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then she also talks about her time in the Mickey Mouse Club, how all the mothers became friends. She said her and Christina were best friends at the time, which is interesting because, of course, yeah, later... Brittany and Christina were apparently attached to the hip, which is interesting to find out. And then Lynn Spears became very tight with Justin Timberlake's mom. And I don't... I mean, I knew this story, I guess, just from our Who's With Tabs times. I don't know if it's common lore, but they were... Justin's mom and Brittany's mom were so close. They were both named Lynn that when Lynn's mother died, they mm-hmm. were at the Mickey Mouse Club uh, just filming and Lynn Timberlake gave Jessica's... Or, no, it was like Lynn Haas or something. Yeah, but I don't think they know her maiden name. So I was trying to make it clear for people who Okay, Justin Timberlake's mom gave Britney Spears' mom the money to fly home for Britney Spears' mo- grandma's funeral. <laughs> and so, and they didn't even start dating until five years later. They started dating, she said, when she was eight, Britney was 18 and yes. they dated for four years. She like loved Justin. She talks about him a lot. It really seems like she was hope she hopes they'd end up together. And then in this, she plugs their upcoming duet. Did that ever come out? I don't think so. What duet? So she wrote this in 2008. Oh, God. Fucking Lynn. What a bizarre It's lady. so weird because she's writing this book in the wake of her daughter's biggest mental breakdown to date. And she's still like promoting her upcoming single and it's like let this bitch rest she just got 5150 twice in a month let her fucking sleep dude stop like telling her she has to do a duet it's like let her go i mean this book probably came out like the same week as blackout sick i mean she really was writing this from and she mentions this. she goes a lot of people have waited for the storm to pass and to have a vantage point but i didn't wait and it's also funny because she also talks that like she like very proudly says she was never paid to be the girl's managers and she was never paid for a single interview and has actually pointed out, well, she were paid for this book. So yeah, I mean, like, are you telling me that you wrote this book for free? This is a self-published novel. Doubt it. Yes. Something else I want to talk about that I think that I love that she's like, I've never done a tell all as we read this book. (laughs) What the fuck is it then? It's funny because it's mostly not a tell all. It really is like her story of being a mother until the very end, which we're saving for the next episode where she fucking names names. I mean, literally, (laughs) she's like, I'm not going to tell you the the gossip of most of Britney's life, but I will tell you the gossip of the craziest month of her life. And she goes into like an hour by hour recount of when Britney has her breakdown in 2007. So I'm excited to get there next week, but we just, we decided it deserved its own week. Yeah. So until then we're going to talk something that is very interesting that comes up a lot in this book is the difference between Britney's real singing voice and the difference between her fake voice. And that's why I think it was important for me to correct you and say she wasn't doing dance competitions. She was doing singing competitions Yes. because she did if, if you have the time, we'll be posting out on Instagram. You know we'll be going hard on the IG this week. But if you have the chance, listen to Britney Spears sing as a little girl. She has an incredibly powerful alto voice. She's, it's like really intense the way she sings. It's like she's, a very like Southern church voice. Yeah, it's very booming. That's exactly what it is. And Lynn talks a lot about her real voice versus her, la- her fake voice. So she talks about going to New York City and performing for these men when she's trying to get a record deal. She's 15 years old. She's just, just doing what Jessica had to do, which is you just go into rooms and sing for these adults. Yeah. And she goes, it was 15 men in suits. I prayed for her the whole time. 
But when she started singing that ageless song with such clarity and beauty, she sounded astonishing like a young Aretha Franklin, soulful and pure. In my mind, that's what her real voice sounds like, a wholesome, powerful sound, not like the breathy, super-produced pop voice given to her by her record producers. She had her showcase her audition at Mercury Records. Oh, my God. Anyway, and then down the page, she goes, this is coming from a mother's heart, not a professional record executive. But before the record the recording, but before the recording studios tinkered with that big, bold voice, my sweet girl could blow the roof off of a house with the strength and passion. My prayer for Brittany then and now is that she regains her once strong, true voice again in more ways than one. So I think that's very interesting. I do think that's very interesting. Yeah. She like talks a lot. She brings it up several times the way that the record executives like change Brittany's voice to that like weird breathy situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do find it, I don't know. She like talks later in the book about how one of her regrets is letting the professionals take over, not trusting her motherly gut instinct. And it's just like, I don't know. What are you talking about? Like, in what way do you regret that? Like, I'm curious. Cause she like mentions the voice all the time. And then one time mentions how, um, they like left Brittany alone with that Rolling Stone photographer. And that's how that cover photo of her and her underwear ended up existing. Mm. But it's like, do you wish that you had protected her or do you wish that you had like made her image different? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Do you wish that you had protected her from this madness and super fame or do you wish that she was famous for having a better voice and being a little bit more clothed? Yeah. And also it's like, so then, you know, so she gets the record deal with Jive and then they send her to Sweden for four months to to cut a demo with Max Martin Mm -hmm. and they send with her Felicia... Uh, Kulata, who is famous for being Britney's kind of like caretaker. She plays the teacher in the Baby One More Time video if you're yeah. looking for a visual. And she kind of was like Britney's companion and friend. And I always thought it was weird that it was like her mom's friend, but it turns out it was her mom's friend's coworker who was a dental hygienist. And that's who they sent with Britney because she couldn't leave Jamie Lynn. And it's just so funny that she's like, um, I wish, wish I had gone with my gut. And I was like, yeah, was your gut instinct not to let your 16 year old daughter go with a dental hygienist to Sweden for four months and like become a professional? Because that was something you should have followed. Like, why would you think that you shouldn't have gone with her? It was crazy. Yeah. And I think that if it's like, oh, I have like too much going on at home. I can't like neglect my newborn who I guess at that time was like six or so it is what it takes i guess though because i'm thinking but now about taylor swift's family and how they all moved to nashville for her i'm thinking about emma stone's family and how they all moved to la and jennifer lawrence's family moved to la i agree that that is what it takes but i do think it's interesting that i bet you maybe none of those parents would say that they pushed it it was all the kid driving it and it's like for a child to uproot a family is insane yeah it that's just not how it works like you're a parent you could say no yeah exactly i mean i wanted <laughs> i so badly wanted to try to be in the mickey mouse club even though it had already been canceled but like my dream like and i was like near new york city and my mom was just like no <laughs> yeah you can't I just think that like in order to do these things to say that you weren't a stage mom, maybe you weren't in the corner barking, smile bigger, make your arms better. Mm -hmm. But like you did very much encouraged by letting it happen. Yeah. You didn't have to say yes. And she has a chapter called why did I say yes? And her explanation is basically that she's like, Every time an opportunity, a teen, an opportunity came to Brittany, oh, I wanted. To we talk just about like this. walked through the door. We didn't know what the door, and she acts like she wasn't walking up to the door. That the opportunities were coming to her, and she was just saying yes to the opportunities. I but I'm sorry, you was... flew out to New York to audition. That's not saying that's not the opportunity coming to you. That's you saying yes, the opportunity. So the door, I guess, that she's saying that existed is someone saying, if you want, you could come to New York for this audition. 
And then her walking through the door is scraping together every last dime they had to get to New York City and uproot their entire family and make this audition happen. That's like the casual walk through the door that she's claiming Mm -hmm. led to Britney's success. Like this accidental overnight sensation that happened is because they just so happened to put their entire future on the line for it. (laughs) It's so funny that the Rolling Stone cover was like a real, like that gets a whole section in here. It was Dave LaChapelle. Yeah. Who I do think should go to jail. I do think that... You he know, is, was the famously had Paris kidnap Nikki, break into their grandparents' house, and like took pictures of them topless when Nikki was like sixteen and Paris was eighteen. Yeah, um, I do think he's a bad person who takes, you know, advantage of girls. But I also think that that cover is fucking iconic. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is an iconic. But I, I was trying to look it up. She's done so many Rolling Stones covers. I know. I wonder if she's like one of the most Rolling Stone covered of all time. Um, and so, oh God. And then she goes on tour with her. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to oh, mention? Yeah, this is a funny line. Does a bird need a nudge from its mother to sing? Brittany sang from the depths of her young being because that's what she was meant to do. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> she also, could have like, sang a lot not of on television. Could've, she could have sang at their local church. She could have sang at school. She could have sang at competitions. She could like, I know millions of people who competed in choir. I know like literally so, everybody I know competed. Not everybody I know became the biggest pop star in the world. It does seem like it would have been easy to avoid. I do believe that they didn't know how successful she would become, but they didn't have to make her successful at all. Um, I do also want to point out uh, one of her big things. She has, so she has a chapter called, why did I say yes? And then she has a chapter called, why did I say yes again? And that one's about oh, Jamie yes, Lynn. That's what I wanted to talk so about. So Jamie Lynn, of course, also goes into stardom at, and a normal person would say, well, after you saw what it did to Britney, why would you let Jamie do it? Her excuse is that for the first few years, there was no backlash on Britney. She says it really came tumbling down. She said the Justin breakup paired with the third album, not doing well. Britney was like kind of, spiraling out of control. She was older. She lost control of her daughter. This is when the Jason Alexander wedding happened. She said she had all the money in the world to party. You can't control a 20. It's just true. You can't control like a 22 year old. She just wants to party or whatever. Yeah. Especially and, a 22 year old with like unlimited money and power. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, she had, she was just trying to, she was saying Brittany was trying to run away from her problems and nowhere to hide. And the media like eviscerated her. But she's like, this all happened before I got, after I got Jamie Lynn involved. So like, she's like, all I knew was that my children were living their dreams. They were making a ton of money and, and they kept getting opportunities. She claims Jamie was discovered because they did an at home video, an interview with Jamie Lynn and Brian about Brittany and Jamie Lynn was so like cute in the interview that Nickelodeon was like, we'd like her to audition for all that. Yeah. Which I'm not buying. I'm not buying it for a second. And then because of all that, she ended up getting her spinoff Zoe 101, or like not a spinoff, but like her own solo vehicle, um, Zoe 101, um, which Brittany was involved in. She like helped write the theme song and she like talks about how Jamie Lynn has always loved acting, but like also like singing kind of too. I don't really understand. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say before we wrap up this half of the saga Mm-hmm. is that she talks about how proud she is of Britney like at the beginning when things are really starting to work out like as she gets the the demo deal with Jive Records as she's getting ready for Baby One More Time to come out um like as the song becomes a smash success she like talks about like my baby girl was getting everything she's worked so hard for for so long and she like very frequently references how 
hard Britney works and how long she's been at it. And this when she was 16 or 17. And that is so crazy to me to be like, she's getting everything she deserved here at the ripe age of has not finished high school. (laughs) Like also the fact that she'd already been on like multiple TV shows. Like at 10 years old, they said she's so successful. She's so talented. We want her. She's just not old enough. Literally she was getting success before she had even put in the time to wait for it. They literally said, we're going to hand you your success and then you can wait. Yeah. To claim it. So, like, it is very funny. Um, I do want to point out that Jason Alexander wedding gets referenced in here. Interestingly enough, he's, like, a boy from their town. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lynn had taught him in preschool because Lynn had taught, like, every child because she had the only yeah. daycare. And she literally said he was such, like, a naughty little kid that the teacher who had to handle him basically was, like, Lord protect us from one of our daughters ever marrying this kid. And sure enough, Brittany did. She talks a little bit about Kevin um, and they got married and obviously had kids. She has nothing really bad to say about him. She says he's a really good dad. Yeah. She says that she did first of all, tell them to wait to get married. And then they obviously didn't. And then she told Brittany to wait to have children, which obviously she didn't. Um, She's like, marriage needs time to like settle in. And I don't think you should have kids yet. But then she says, This we'll get into more next week. Here's a little teaser. She talks about how she didn't think Britney was ready to have kids, but then when Britney announced that she was expecting, they were like over the fucking moon. Meanwhile, this book was written just after Maddie was born, so after Jamie Lynn's surprise pregnancy, and I I get that Jamie Lynn was a teenager at the time, but she references Maddie as a mistake so many fucking times. Whereas Jaden is a gift from God. Yeah, Jaden is like this blessed gift that like Brittany had at the ripe age of 23, and she had originally advised against, but then as soon as she found out that Jaden was like gonna exist, she was just thrilled. Jaden's the second baby. Sean Preston was first. Jaden was the surprise. Oh, yeah. She also references Sean Preston as Preston a lot. Yeah, I don't know it what got he got really by. confusing. Anyway, we'll get all into Jamie Lynn's pregnancy. We'll get into the Britney Spears breakdown. Google Sam Lufty. He's the villain of the rest of it. I do want to just point out real quick before we get out of here. One of my favorite weird, like, what the fuck did you just say moments was when, so her sister dies, Sandra, which is very sad. She loves Sandra. Oh, yeah. We get a lot of Sandra in this book, which, again, we didn't mention because I don't care. Um, so here's the one thing Sandra did that I was like, bitch, huh? And <laughs> And so I guess she like knew she had one Christmas left. So she went all out trying to give everybody the most thoughtful gift she could. And she goes, she gave Brian, my son, the most thoughtful gift of all time, which took a lot of effort. It was a framed photo of them together at the beach. And you're like, okay, cool. And she's like, that may not sound like a lot, but it was actually very difficult to make happen because Brian hates all photos of him. So she finally found a photo that he would like himself. And then she had to Photoshop herself next to him. And then she added the beach because they loved the beach. And I was like, what kind of Kanye holograph dad from the dead shit? <laughs> you guys don't have one nice photo together. She had to be like, it was just like a really bizarre thing to me. Especially because of how much time Brian spent with them because they were so busy neglecting him to like do the other two's careers. Yeah. Like I cannot believe they didn't have like one fucking photo of brian and sandra where they both looked nice i don't know man all right you guys so we'll leave it at that we leave it up to you guys to think whether or not lynn pushed britney we have conclusions to draw and we're gonna pause on them we'll see you guys next week for the breakdown